Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you are thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. So glad for all of you joining us online. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I want to take a special moment to pray for Jeremy and Courtney. Uh, got some bad news about his grandpa. They're going to Maine. So let's pray for them right now. And there's others who are out sick. Let's pray for them as well and believe together. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray according to your word. We pray according to your holy name. And we believe right now, God, that you will work in these situations and needs, that you will heal and save and deliver. And we call upon you and you alone right now. And thank you, Lord, that we're able to bring our petitions and make them known to you and that you will hear our prayer. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Thank God for His goodness and mercy, His truth. Amen. Thank God for each one of you. Looking forward to all God's going to do. Amen. You heard the announcement about Friday night, so if you're able to come to that, it is a youth rally, but amen, from last time I checked, it's youth is of all ages, so you can come be a part of that if you'd like. And uh, there'll be others from our section that is here joining us as well on Friday night. Amen. Looking forward to a great time in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I want to also mention to you at the end of the month, uh, Bishop Stoops is coming. This is my bishop and, and uh, pastor. And he is coming. Uh, it'll be on the uh, 24th and 25th. That Saturday the 24th, there'll be a special service we're doing. God has spoke to me. It's going to be apostolic impartation and invite you to be here for that on that Saturday night. And then he'll be here as well Sunday the 25th. And I believe God's going to do great and mighty things. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Jesus. All right. We're going to dismiss elements. Uh, Sto uh, I keep saying Stoke students, but it's TCO students. Hallelujah. And our kingdom kids. Amen. And nursery, I believe, all of that. Thank you all who serve and help. Why don't we give all of our staff a big hand for all that they do. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. If you have your Bibles, would you please join me in the book of 2 John. And I uh, want to share with you something that the Lord has put upon my heart. Praise God. Book of 2 John, it's a small book, if you're going through there, it's, it's like, whoa, there it is, it's just one page, amen. 2 John, and I'm going to read the first two verses. <clears throat> the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake, which dwells in us, and shall be with us forever. Amen. And tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want to teach, preach for just a little while on this thought, for the love of truth, for the love of truth. Lord, your word is anointed, and I am an anointed by your spirit. And now I pray you to anoint this time together, guide our thoughts, guide my words, and let your word be spoken clearly in Jesus' name. Would you say Amen. For the love of truth. The Gospel of John 
the epistles of John and the book of Revelation, which are all written by John, he uses the word truth 40 different times, making up 37% of the entire times that that word is used in the New Testament. John records of Jesus that he was full of grace and truth, and that grace and truth came by Jesus. He also records, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he writes in 1 John 5, he says that the Spirit is truth, and there are many others. To say that John loved the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth might be the understatement of the millennium. And equal to John's uh, fellow apostolic writers, John had to deal with apostate teaching that was trying to infiltrate and invade the churches like a deadly virus. Let me say this, if Satan cannot distract openly, he will attempt to divide secretly. Beware. Beware his devices. In fact, Satan's purpose is to make you forget yours. And he employs an arsenal of weapons of mass distraction and deception to do his bidding. Beware the doctrines of devils. Beware the seducing spirits of the world. Be wise to Satan's devices. And remember... We must remain submitted unto God, resisting the devil, and he must flee. Amen? Amen. Whereas other epistles were addressed to a a church in specific, a, a city and or a region of churches, or a person like Timothy or so forth, this epistle is addressed to just an elect lady. Amen. And her children. Now some believe this to be a literal woman, and her literal biological children and others that might have gathered in her home for a house church. Other scholars believe this to be just a general reference to the church uh, using the feminine gender as we know the church is a bride, a a virgin, a mother, and all of that. I I lean more in that path. If you want to lean the other path, that's your prerogative. But I I tend to think it was more designed as as saying the elect lady because elect also indicates those who are saved, born again. Yeah. Now, we also know, and, and, and maybe you know this literally, uh, but you've probably heard dynamite comes in small packages, right? Well, guess what? This is a small 13-verse uh, epistle, but it's full of explosive truth that we can unpack together here tonight. And that's what I want to share with you on this journey. And the first thing I want to open with and share with you is we must know the truth. Man, I can already feel like I'm going to get off my notes and have to preach part two of this because the Holy Ghost is just, my spirit is stirring within me. We must know the truth. Hosea and, and Amos talk about a time when people will no longer know the truth. In fact, I believe it's Amos that says there's a time coming where, where it's going to be a famine, not of food and water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. We live in a, in a society where everything is so quick at our fingertips. And, 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 and if I could just 
qualify what I'm about to say. I'm not preaching against technology with what I'm about to say, but let me just interject this if I could for a moment. I believe the the Google generation has caused us to to not retain knowledge as quickly because all we got to do is and there it is and we don't have to put it into long-term memory anymore. I'm not saying when you go back to the Dewey Decibel system, what I am saying is there's something about treasuring truth and knowing it that we've got to retain no matter how technologically advanced our society becomes. We must know the truth, which is to say we must know God and be known of Him. Notice what he says in the opening words of this epistle. The uh, the elder, that's himself, okay? Unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth, And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. In other words, he's saying, I believe I can speak for every born-again believer that they also love you and know you because they know the truth. Verse 2, for truth's sake which dwells in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you and mercy and peace from God the Father, even from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Truth, 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 truth. In the first three verses, he's just illustrating the, the power of knowing the truth. Knowing the truth is studying the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Which leads to the new birth experience. It's knowing the truth is a, a lifetime of discipleship. It's studying to show ourselves approved unto God. While that's written in the book of Timothy, don't mistake that it's only for preachers. I was telling somebody the other day, I really do love this church, and I mean that wholeheartedly. I'm not just saying that to be corny and and crazy and try to earn some bounty points here and there, you know. But I really do love this church. And one of the things I love about the church of Omaha is there's enough of you that if I was to preach something that wasn't the truth, I don't think I could get three words out of my mouth before I'd start hearing it. Hold on just a minute, wait a minute, hold up, and and people would start walking out the door. I don't know how many times I have been approached by people and said, hey, can you show me where you found that? And, And Let me tell you, that don't offend me one bit. And here's why. It challenges me, Pastor Lucas, to make sure if I'm going to say it from this pulpit, I better be able to back it up book, chapter, and verse. Amen. You know what else I love about that? That means every missionary and evangelist and guest speaker and other parts of the pastoral team that get behind this sacred desk, they better be in the truth too. But the only way that happens is if you... Know the truth. So knowing the truth, amen. Love it when the children are amen to me. I love it. It's awesome. Know the truth there, Ruby Tuesday. Praise God. We must study to show ourselves approved. We we must, and listen, this means truth is twofold. It's both educational and experiential. Let me say it another way. It, it both leads us to transformation, but also to demonstration. And in fact, knowing the truth is both information and inspiration. It both teaches and it transforms. 
I don't remember the, the man, I want to say it was Martin Luther, it might not have been him, but, and I, I'll, I'll butcher the quote, but, but the essence of the quote was, uh, you know, it, the, the Bible has no uh, hands, but it reaches out for me, and it has no feet, but it runs after me, and it has no mouth, but it speaks to me, amen, it's a love of the truth, amen, knowing it. The first objective reality that we come across in knowing the truth is that truth and love work in tandem. Again, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And again in verse 3, he says, in truth and love. I would even go as far as to say that since God is truth, John 14, 6, and God is love, 1 John 4, 8, then <laughs> truth is love and love is truth. You can't separate the two. No more than, than the doctrine of the Trinity or binatarianism that bifurcates God or trifurcates God. No more can you separate truth and love from God as two different, complete, separate entities. You can't have one without the other. Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 and 15, we must speak the truth in love. Yeah. Bible also tells us that a spirit of delusion comes from God upon those who receive not a love of the truth. And watch what 1 Peter says. I'm in 1 Peter 1, 22. He says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. This is truth, which lives and abides forever. So Peter not only shows us the inseparable link of truth and love, he also provides evidence that the new birth is that which links us to that incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. How many remember what? Ryan Neer preached about on Easter Sunday, the seed. The seed is planted in us. It was first planted in a garden and rose on the third day. And now that same seed is planted in us. Oh, hallelujah. And that segues into the second objective reality, which is this. Truth dwells in us. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 2 of, of 1 John, uh, or 2 John rather, says, For the truth's sake which dwells in us. Mm. You see, when we are born again of the water and the Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, we're born again of the Spirit speaking in other tongues. Truth takes residence within us. 1 John 4, watch this. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because... Greater is he that is in you. The truth is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Later in that same uh, 1 John 4, verse 12, he says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us. And his love is perfected in us. We know God is love and He's in us. And we know God is truth and He's in us. Therefore, love and truth are in us. And if that's what's planted in us, guess what's going to grow out of us? 
Love and truth. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us because He has given us the Spirit. Truth is the Apostles' doctrine that we love and teach. But it's because we've been filled with that truth. Because the Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth. Now, here's what I love about the mercy of God. He doesn't explain everything on the first second that you speak in tongues. Because I believe if that happened, it would blow our ever-loving minds and we would just die right there. Because there's no way we could fathom all of it. Let me put it to you this way. And, and, and I, I only say this as a reference point, but not a boastful point. I've been, I've been preaching this apostolic gospel message for 34 years. It never grows old. There's not a day go by, I mean that literally, there's not a day go by that something doesn't capture my mind and heart and attention from this word. Because there, I do not, I believe if I preached another 34 years, I, I would not be able to tap in to the depth of all that there is to know. And I don't know if I would want to. I, I, I would hope I would never get to a place of like, well, I've preached it so long, I don't even blah, blah, blah. Hogwash on that. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to develop. Amen. Praise God. The third objective reality is that truth shall be in us forever. I told you this is a power-packed epistle. Verse 2, for truth's sake, which dwells in us and shall be with us forever wow if we stay on this narrow path and endure to the end the truth that you've received will remain with you forever and one day lead you into the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ Whew, hallelujah the second point i want to make tonight is that we must walk in the truth Notice what 2 John 4, verses 4 through 6 say. I rejoice greatly that I found of your children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto you, but that which you had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Just like the first three verses had truth, 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 truth. Now we see walk, 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 walk. Walk in truth. And walking in truth is this. It's reg regulating one's life and conducting oneself according to the word of God. In other words, it's a daily lifestyle if it pleases God I don't care who it displeases and equally if it displeases God I don't care who it pleases ultimately I'm living for God and God alone amen hallelujah Psalm 101 verse 2 says, I will behave myself in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come unto me? I will walk within thy house with a perfect heart. Now that sounds like a goal that sometimes hard to, is hard to reach, isn't it? 
Oh, there's times when we're, we're in those revival services or in those moments where, boom, man, we can take on hell with water pistols. And then there's other times we're like, whoa, well, you know, okay. <laughs> right? We've all been there. So this is, not, this is not a psalm to think, well, I'll never achieve that. No, it's, it's a goal of which we put in our hearts to, to do that daily. You ever thought about walking? I guarantee you, every one of you here tonight, Ruby's not walking yet, is she? Not yet, okay. So, other than Ruby, that, that's the only one I think, unless there's another baby, I don't see more babies. Any more babies in here? Okay. Oh, we got another back here? Okay. Probably two that don't walk. Okay. So, here's the reality. I guarantee you, none of you thought, okay, when you pulled into the driveway, how am I going to get out of this car? Okay, wait a minute. Um, yeah, left. Okay, then Right. Oh, okay, then left again. I think I got this down. And then right. Okay. I don't think any of you had to stop and do that. Right? Why? Because you've done it so much it becomes a habit. How many of you can get up in the middle of the night and not turn a light on and find your way to the bathroom or, or something? Right? Unless somebody has moved something. You know why you have a little toe, right? It's to find those things that have been moved. And you're walking at night and all of a sudden, ah! Ah! Yeah, hallelujah. Okay, right? None of us think about walking. We just do it. Anybody have a, one of them watches that keeps track of your walking and all, you know, steps and everything? You ever looked at that sometimes and go, man, I walked that much today? Wow. Other times you look and say, I need to walk more, right, you know? The doctor told me that, you know, I was sedentary, and I vowed that I'm going to go buy a dictionary and figure out what that means. <laughs> Quit lying around, and anyway, never mind. So, watch what Proverbs 10, verse 9 says. He that walks uprightly walks surely, but he that perverts his ways shall be known. Watch what Jesus said. If any man will come after me, by the way, he said this to all, it's in Luke. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Even though this passage doesn't use the word walk, we get the essence of, of a daily lifestyle. I, I, I just did a quick search as I was preparing this, and, and, and trust me, there's hundreds. But I just have a few here. Walking with God is, is, is like Enoch who walked with God and pleased God. It, it's walking in faith as Abraham did. It's, it's walking in the ways of God as Moses said in Deuteronomy. It's, it's David walking in God's ways. It's walking in the fear of God like Nehemiah did. It's not walking in the counsel of the ungodly as the Psalms tell us. It's, it is walking uprightly and in the light of God as Isaiah said. It's walking in newness of life as Romans says. It's walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh as also Romans says. It's walking by faith and not by sight as Corinthians says it's walking in love as Ephesians says it's walking worthy of the Lord as Colossians and first Thessalonians say it's walking in wisdom as Colossians says it's walking honestly as first Thessalonians says and it's walking with Jesus in white garments as Revelation says that's just a sampling of the plethora of verses that deal with walking and how we do it 
In other words, it's a daily lifestyle. And so walking in truth is all of those combined together. It's more than just attending church on a Wednesday and a Sunday. There's a deeper truth to it. It's walking in His commandments. It's walking in His truth. Some people try to separate love and truth and pull them apart. I've seen some people who want to be all love. Just, just love everybody. Just preach love. It sounds good. Sounds appealing. I've seen others that want to be all truth and that has a certain element of appeal to it. But let me say this. Love without truth or truth without love is incomplete and leads to a compromised religion that only appeals to the flesh. Let me explain. Those who preach the truth without love are appealing to their flesh, thinking that their conservatism merits them some sort of special status with the judgment of God. Well, equally, those who preach the lo love without the truth they're also appealing to the flesh, thinking that their liberalism merits them some sort of special status with the mercy of God. Not realizing that the two are inseparable. I can prove it. A woman cast at Jesus' feet. The Pharisees wanted truth. I don't know that there was anybody in the crowd that wanted love that day, except the one who could have thrown the stone. The one who was without sin. Watch what Jesus says. Woman, where are your accusers? Lord, I have none. What does Jesus say? Anybody know? Thank you. Most of you said the first part. Neither do I condemn you. The rest of it is go and sin no more. It's truth and love. I'm going to love you and not condemn you. I'm going to love you and forgive you. But I'm also going to tell you the truth. Don't do it again. It's love and truth combined, not one or the other. Watch what the Bible says. Psalm 25.10 All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Mercy here is love, right? All of them are mercy and truth, not one or the other. Psalm 85.10, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Solomon sheds insight to how sin is purged long before Jesus hangs on a cross. Watch this. Proverbs 16, verse 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. It's not either or. It's both and. There's at least 15 other verses that combine those two that I could uh, read. And for sake of time, I'm going to move on and just advance to the New Testament where John writes and says in verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all received 
Grace for grace. Watch this. For the law was given by Moses. That's truth only. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Here's what's interesting. When I looked up the word mercy in those 18 verses, I read about two or three of them for you of the Old Testament. And I looked up grace here. It means the same thing. The loving kindness and goodness and merciful kindness of God. In other words, John was saying in Jesus is going to come both the mercy side, the love side, and the truth side. Another way you could look at it is that vertical beam was fulfilling the truth that a blood had to be shed, that, that a, a man had to die, that sacrifice had to be made. That was the truth. But yet the, the, the horizontal being was the merciful being that, that gave us an extension where we can cross that gulf of our sin on His mercy and receive His truth and receive His love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Furthermore, you cannot separate what God has joined together. And if you do, you have compromised, watered down, and weakened His Word. We must speak the truth in love. We must walk in truth. And we must love the truth. Those who compromise on either extreme, all truth, no love, all love, no truth, are in danger of being sent a strong delusion because they did not receive the love of the truth. They think they love it, but they really don't because they don't present it in love and vice versa. And this brings me to my third point. We must abide in the truth. In the last part of John's second epistle, for many deceivers, verse 7, many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whoever, transgress, excuse me, whoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that bids him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. I've known people to take this passage so literal that they won't buy uh, material or listen to or read material from people that don't hold to the truth. I'm not saying that that's what you have to do, but I am going to say this. I've seen way too many people read a book from some famous preacher, and they think, oh, this is powerful, and don't realize it's laced with all kinds of self-fulfilling types of compromised messages. John transitions here to warning against deceivers who would per persevere and preach any doctrine that was contrary to the doctrine of Christ. It's as, it's as strong of a statement as what Paul makes in Galatians when he says, let him be accursed, whoever would 
preach any other gospel than that which we have preached, whether it's an angel from heaven or one of us. And he says it twice in the first uh, chapter there. By the way, this is why discipleship is a mandate from God. It's not just something we do in a fancy class called Elements. It's something we do always. And whether or not you're in an official group of sorts or just your own personal discipleship, discipleship is a mandate. Why? Because without it, we are susceptible to the subtlety of the devices of the devil. He was able to deceive Eve. Why? Because she did not know the Word. She did not understand she was already like God and made up her own. Well, we can't even touch it. God never said don't touch it. If you don't know the Word, how will you be able to protect yourself from the devices of the enemy? John here addresses a specific false doctrine. And, but his epistle is timeless in that it's the breathed out Word of God in that it applies to any false doctrine. The specific false doctrine that John addresses is directed at the Jews who refused to accept that Jesus was indeed the Christ. In so doing, not only were they forfeiting that message, but John says, you have neither the Father or the Son if you do this. I'm going to go on record here, and I know it's going to sound bold, but it's the truth. Somebody one day said, well, you know, the, the God of the Jews and the God of the Christians are the same. I'm like, no, it ain't. According to John's epistles, if you don't accept that Jesus is the Son of God, you don't have the Father either. In other words, if you don't accept Yeshua HaMashiach, you don't have Yahweh either. So it's not the same God. Because Yahweh became Yeshua. This is why some preachers stay away from doctrine because it divides. But here's what it divides. It divides the truth from the lie. It divides the sheep from the goats. It divides the saved from the damned. I want to have a church that loves doctrine. John was an eyewitness to the Incarnation. His Gospel doesn't start with the lineage of Jesus in the flesh. It starts with His deity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hallelujah. By the way, John is a bona fide monotheistic Jew. He's not going to breathe out blasphemy. He's not going to write blasphemy. And so when he declares that Jesus is the one, have you ever thought about the disciples and their experience? Peter, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, a declaration of the mighty God in Christ. Have you ever thought about Nathaniel's declaration? You are the King of Israel. He's looking at the flesh, Jesus Christ, and calls Him the King of Israel. He wasn't seeing some binitarianism or trinitarianism God. He was seeing the one true God manifest in flesh. 
And what had happened was a group of people of religious leaders had become so ingrained in their truth that they had forgot to love the truth. And now everything was about making sure you better tithe on cumin and spices too. No wonder Jesus said to them, you whited sepulchers. You look good on the outside. You've got some righteousness about you. Jesus also said, except our righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees. So that's about the only good thing he said about them. But he said, you're, you're full of dead men's blood. There's nothing inside that's worth anything. Why? Because they didn't have love. But I love what Jesus does. He comes along, and time and again, he says, well, I've not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law. See, they had forgotten something. Somewhere along the way, they had forgotten that all the way back in Deuteronomy, Moses had said there's a prophet coming who's going to circumcise your hearts. You don't have to be a doctor to understand that circumcision of the heart will kill you. If you remove the sack around your heart, you're dead. Unless they can quickly get an artificial heart inside of you, you're dead. So he's not talking literal there, Sister Alicia. He's saying he's going to come and fill you with his spirit because Paul likened circumcision unto the new birth. <laughs> but somewhere, and I'll explain it this way. If, if this Bible that I'm holding represents the, the completeness of truth, that would include the tabernacle, that would include all the practices, everything of the ultimate. What had happened was, we're, we're to keep it, right? Does that make sense? We're, we're, keep means to guard, right? Well, what happened was, they began to build up such fortifications around it that they forgot what they were keeping and started praising and worshiping the fortifications they were building up to protect it. It became so sacred that you can't touch it. One of God's Ten Commandments was not to take His name in vain. Right? Fourth commandment? Or, or third, I think. Thou shalt not take the Lord, name of the Lord thy God in vain. Right? Third commandment. It was never about mispronouncing His name. It was about misrepresenting His name. And they went from using the utterable name of God, Yahweh, to Adonai, a general term. I can be an Adonai. I can be a Lord. And they went to a general term. Instead of Yahweh. Which is why when Jesus come along and started saying, I am the bread of life. <laughs> it wasn't just a noun and pronoun together. Uh-uh. He was saying, I am that I am. Yeah. It's why they said he was blasphemy. You claim to be the son of God. I am. I love it when they come and get him in the garden. Yeah. Are you the son of God? I am. <laughs> they all fall back. Yeah. He was. He is. And he always will be. Amen. My God, have mercy. Thomas, a Jew, a bona fide Jew, looking at the flesh body of Jesus, says, My Lord 
and my God. Uh, so, John is addressing this doctrine. You see, the reality of abiding in love and truth is to realize that actually the doctrine of Christ, the apostles' doctrine, and all that goes with it is a heaven or hell matter. There is only one way to God. Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the truth, the life. There's only one way to be saved. And it's through the preaching of the truth in love. Doctrine does save you, and I can prove it. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16. Paul writes to his son in the gospel, and he says, Pastor Lucas, take heed unto yourself. If he'd have stopped right there, we could just preach about making sure that you're healthy and wealthy and wise and all of that good stuff. Take care of yourself, man. Have a vacation. Take care of your lovely wife and family. Go ahead, you know. Make sure you provide for them. Get that life insurance. You know, go take heed to yourself. But he doesn't stop there. He says, take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. Then he says, continue in them. Watch this. For in doing this, you'll both save yourself and them that hear you. I want this church to understand in person and online tonight. I want to be saved and I want you to be saved. It's why I'm going to preach the doctrine in truth, in love. Because this is given by God, breathed out by Him. And is profitable for doctrine. I will do what Scripture says. And if necessary, I will rebuke. Watch this. And exhort and reprove with all longsuffering and doctrine. Why will I do this? Because Paul also goes on to say in 2 Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, Timothy, no matter what they do, you better keep preaching it. You know what God spoke to me a few years ago? If I'll do my job, He'll do His job. You know what my job is? To preach the truth in love. You know what His job is? To save people and heal people and deliver people and set them free. Hallelujah. No wonder John warned against antichrist deceivers who preach their false doctrines of devils. <sighs> hmm. By the way, just so you know, if I have a BCV, that's book, chapter, verse. It's not a new translation. <laughs> no. If I have BCV, book, chapter, verse. Notice that's in alphabetical order too, because I'm, I'm CDO. BCV, book, chapter, verse. If I've got a book, chapter, verse, I will preach it. They'll have to cut my tongue out. They'll have to duct tape my mouth. They'll have to slit my throat. And I'm not trying to be gruesome and rude, but I'll preach it if I've got book, chapter, verse. And I'll, I'll expect that the congregation will hear it, love it, and obey it. However, if I, if, if I don't have book, chapter, and verse, guess what? It ain't coming from this pulpit. This lesson 
within this small epistle is a clarion call that we fall in love with the truth. Never stop loving the truth. Oh, God. I'll never forget the first time I received what's called the forward. It's a, a magazine that UPCI licensed ministers receive. Got my first one after I got my license for the first time. I'm looking through there and I'm seeing names of friends from other states and places. Hey, cool, he got his, he got his, praise God. I had heard about preachers that had compromised and pulled out and left. But it wasn't until one day I picked up my forward and I read a name I knew. I wish I could tell you that it stopped there. It was one time, one person, never happened again. But this heart inside has been ripped more times than I can imagine of both saint and preacher friends who have walked away from this truth and have preached a compromised gospel. But here's what I can tell you. I've made up my mind. I've come way too far to turn back now. I've made my decision. I'm going to live for God. I'll never forget the first time God tested that resolve in me. I was preaching and we were in Caribou and God had given me a series of messages to preach and dealing with uh, a life of holiness, everything from our attitude to, you know, our outward uh, dress. And I'm ministering on it, teaching on it, preaching on it. And this one family, they, uh, they were good givers in the church and had been coming for a while. And one Sunday, the wife caught me outside. I'm one of the last ones to leave. I'm making sure everything's locked up. And her and her husband are out there. And she goes, I want to talk to you. I said, yeah, sure. Well, you, you've been preaching a lot of this doctrine stuff and holiness stuff. I said, yeah. She goes, well, we give a lot of money to the church. I said, yeah. She goes, we, we'd like you to, to stop doing that if you would. I said, or what? <laughs> or we're going to leave and take our money with us. And I'm like, bye. And I was kind of that sarcastic. I'm like, okay. I ain't changing. Bye. Love you. Okay, we're leaving. Now, my spirit, Pastor Lucas, was all tough and mighty and, you know, acting like I was, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. When I turned around after they drove off and walked back to the church, I'm like, oh boy, what did I just do? Whoo! Because all of a sudden, the, the flesh side of me said, hey, dummy, <laughs> they give a lot of money and you got bills. And I remember walking back, we had, we had two double doors, and he'd push them open. I, I pushed them open, walked in the sanctuary, said, hey, God, it's your problem. <laughs> I'm preaching the truth here. I need some help. <laughs> the, my wife is already at the restaurant waiting. She's texting me, and she's ordering something. I'm still praying, saying, Jesus, I need some help. I'll have you know, we ended that year with more money without them than the year before with them. 
I wish I could say that's the last time I've been tested. I wish I could say that I don't think I'll ever be tested again. But I've come this far to tell you, I love the truth. I'm going to hold fast to the truth. I'm going to speak and preach. I'll do it in love. I'll do it with long suffering. But I'm going to preach this truth. And I believe I'm preaching and teaching to some people online and in person that also love this truth. That are willing to say, we're with you. We're standing true. We're going to hold fast to it. Come what may, we're going to stand for truth and love it to the day we die. I wonder if you could stand with me and begin to love the Lord and praise Him and tell Him, Jesus, I'm going to hold fast to the truth. I'm going to love the truth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You chose to dwell in us, to put your truth in us. I want to produce fruit that pleases you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Fall in love with this truth. And I promise you, every trial you face, every issue you go through, everything you deal with, you'll be able to make it all the way. And, and, and let me tell you this. Sister Dana, I'm going to go back to your testimony. You mentioned how that in the worst and hardest trial of your life, you have a, a peace from God this time because of the, the, the new birth. I Amen. Watch this. When you get to heaven, Dana, and all the pain and all the turmoil and all the trial, and it's all gone because you've held fast. Oh, what a day that's going to be when we get to celebrate with Him forever because we loved the truth. Amen. God bless you. Take this with you. Love it, live it, and lead somebody to it in Jesus' name.